we actually don't assign quotas to our sales team. Our salespeople self-assign. Say that again. Say that one more time. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> um, our salespeople choose their own quota. You're listening to the B2B Revenue Executive Experience, a podcast dedicated to helping executives train their sales and marketing teams to optimize growth. Whether you're looking for techniques and strategies or tools and resources, you've come to the right place. Let's accelerate your growth in three, two, one. Welcome everyone to the B2B Revenue Executive Experience. I'm your host, Chad Sanderson. Today we're tackling two topics, going to have a bit of an odd book-ended conversation, but we're going to talk about truth in sales, knowing you know all sales professionals have a tendency to have happy ears or jump at the slightest hint of a potential opportunity. And uh, those of us that have been doing this long enough know that's kind of self-deluding and disastrous in terms of our pipeline. So we're going to spend some time on that. We're also going to talk about equal pay. And to help us do that, we have with us Amanda Moore. CEO of Appit Ventures, which is a mobile app development company based here in Denver, Colorado. Amanda, thank you for taking time and welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me, Chad. I'm, I'm happy to be here. Excellent. So for our audience, just a little bit of background on yourself to help them understand how you ended up CEO of, of Appit Ventures. Yeah, of course. So um, I always joke with my friends and colleagues that I, uh, I was born a salesperson. I, I've had the disease since birth. Um, and so my entire career has been in sales. And because of that, I've really been lucky to build some incredible relationships in the Denver area. And so the founder of App Adventures, Rob Carpenter, when he was ready to move on, he started a product company. And he he was looking for somebody to take over the growth of his company, App Adventures, and asked me to step in. And since then, it's been a wild ride and, and a true privilege. So I'm, I'm thrilled for the opportunity. Excellent. Well, congratulations on that. It sounds like a, a great adventure and challenge. As we were preparing for the show, let's start with kind of the truth in sales approach. Some of the emails that we sent back and forth, you talked about sales pros getting too emotionally attached to prospects, which spoke to me. I'm not saying I'm too emotionally attached to much, but I have been there and suffered from that. And so I'm curious if you help our audience understand if someone's too emotionally attached to prospects, what does that end up doing for them or, or to them? Yeah, great question. So a lot like how we have, you know, baseline symptoms physically that indicate a sickness, right? So if we have low energy or maybe a runny nose or maybe a headache, that's a symptom of a, of a different problem. Maybe you're coming down with a cold or maybe you haven't eaten enough. In sales, I've noticed that if you're getting too attached to one particular person, whether they buy or not, that to me is a sign of an anemic pipeline. So you probably haven't done enough prospecting. You probably don't have enough people that you've been talking with. And so for me, working with my sales team, when I start to see an emotional attachment to if this deal goes through or not, that's an indicator to me that we, need, we have some work to do on the marketing and prospecting side to help bolster that pipeline. 
Yeah, prospecting, the bane of every salesperson's existence, right? So it would be great if we never had to prospect. And yeah. it's, it's <laughs> the place where, you know, look, the discipline and the grind come into play. And so you mentioned it best, and there was a stat that you threw out that conversion rate for conversations may be at best 10%. Can you provide our audience with some suggestions on how do you help your team stay in the zone, right? Prospecting takes focus, it takes commitment, consistency, and it is always the first thing that seems to fall by the wayside for most of the sales professionals I've worked with. I'm kind of curious how you work with your team to keep them focused and keep that prospecting happening. Yeah. So one of the biggest things that we've done at App Adventures is we actually don't assign quotas to our sales team. Our sales people self-assign. Say that again. Say that one more time. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. Um, our sales people choose their own quota. So Usually we'll do this in Q4 in preparation for the following or the upcoming year, but it's all goal-based. So I sit down with my salespeople and I say, well, how much do you want to make next year? And it's a math problem. So based on how much they want to make, we set those quotas for them. And so that's been a huge game changer for us because it changes the conversation with my sales team. So if my team members are missing the goals that they've set for themselves, I get to ask them why, you know, what's going on. And so in that conversation, it starts by here are our goals. This is what I need to sell in order to achieve my goals that I've set for myself. And then we brainstorm a set of behaviors, a prospecting plan. So it's different for every business, but some of that comes from inbound leads from our marketing team. Some of that comes from networking. It comes from asking for referrals. It comes from cold calling. Our conversion rates in our business on cold calling aren't quite high enough to justify a heavy cold call approach. But at any rate, there's a behavioral mix that we follow and we track those behaviors. And so it gives me a place to start with, okay, are we missing on behaviors? And if so, why is that? Is it because you don't like networking? Okay, if you don't like networking, let's pick a different set of behaviors. And it's more of, okay, what do you want more? Do you want to explore a behavior you're not comfortable with? Or do you want to make the money you said you wanted to make? (laughs) And so it's a lot different conversation. Well, and I would assume then it's slightly different. The mix is going to be slightly different based on the individual sales rep and where their strengths are. So it's really playing to their strengths as well as creating accountability. I mean, they created the plan. So do you find it's easier to coach as a result of that or help them along Mm -hmm. that journey? Very much so. Yeah, because people never argue with their own data, right? So (laughs) if I said to myself, I want to do this, well, you got to do it. Or you just have to pull out the pocket mirror and say, do I really want this? That's a much more productive conversation than if I, as a leader, say, okay, Ryan, your quota this year is $2 million. Go get me those deals, right? So yeah, that's where we see a lot of success. Conversation. Much different conversation. I love it. And I would assume that that also creates more room for the sales reps to be their authentic selves. Like we all know, you know, people buy from people and it's really more about the human connection than it is being, you know, a cookie cutter type of approach. This would allow them to be more authentic. And I would assume has great benefit for the culture at App Adventures because they're not trying to force themselves to be something or do something that perhaps they're not good at or or as comfortable with. Is that a fair assessment? Oh, absolutely. And I would say any leader or executive knows that customers that aren't well-suited for your organization, 
damage your profit margins, right? So bad customers are expensive. And there's a high level of accountability on our team. If our sales team is delivering customers that aren't a fit for Appit, it puts a strain not only on the customer, but on our delivery team as well. And so because we don't have leadership assigned quotas, there's not that pressure on the salesperson to jam through somebody who's not a good fit. And so that really has given us the ability to create the space for authenticity in how we sell. And that's given us the ability to be honest with our customers and even our prospects. Not everybody is a fit, right? Back to 10%. I mean, 90% of the people we talk to aren't a fit for us and that's okay. Well, and that's so, a hard, that's a hard realization for most salespeople, right? Because, you know, going back to the happy years and being really candid and truthful for yourself, I mean, sales reps hate to say you no to a deal. So is, do you find yeah. that w- when you have a new sales rep come on that you have to really tell them, no, it's okay to say no. In fact, it's better for the business. Is that something you have to overcome consistently when people get exposed to this type of approach? It, it is a little bit. It's, um, we're, we're having to almost reverse brainwash, right? But <laughs> I, I think, I think, in, I think in that sense though, Chad, we, we look for authentic, honest people. And you're, when you're around people like that, it's obvious. And so we start with that and then we kind of undo some of the brainwashing that salespeople have dealt with for our entire careers. Yeah, it's got to be very refreshing for the right individuals, right? It's, it's got to be a great motivator, I would think, internally. And also, does it reduce the friction between sales and execution? Because, you know, execution always loves to say, you know, what you sold is not necessarily what we have to implement. Yeah, yeah, I'm laughing. I laugh about this because sales and delivery, you know, we're two opposite sides of the same coin. So there will always be a healthy tension between the two departments, right? What we struggle with is actually, hey, sales, can you guys lighten up because we're buried right now? Um, And so, (laughs) so yeah, so we're, we're lucky to have that. I think for us, our challenges are more infusing consistency in, in the delivery of sales to keep our delivery team properly staffed. But because of this honesty, transparency, self-driven goals, authenticity, we don't have the struggles that most organizations have, which is, hey, you over-promised and now we're under-delivering. So we're really lucky to have that. And so when you talk about managing that consistency of sales, are you working with your team on you know, common language framework that also plugs in seamlessly to execution? How are you guys working to, to handle that? Yeah. So that's something that we're actively working on right now. One thing we're doing, which is embarrassing because we're a technology company, but we're manually tracking all of our sales behaviors and seeing what the sales cycle length is. So for example, while cold calling has a very low conversion rate for us, the sales cycle is much shorter than going out and networking and building a referral network. So we kind of know our mix of behaviors and we have levers to pull uh, when our pipeline starts to get anemic. So we have a strategy that we can execute on when we need to. So I think, you know, that takes time, right? That takes six months to a year to have that data set. But if you stay disciplined in tracking those behaviors, you'll have insights that you can take with you anywhere. Yeah. I mean, the insights and the data are, are 
are key these days, but you're right. It's that focus. It's that, am I being consistent about it? Consistency is the biggest challenge in, in just about every aspect of, of the prospecting top of funnel. It sounds like you guys have a, a unique approach to it and it sounds like it's working well. Yeah, it really is. We're, we're thriving. And we also have an incredible marketing team that that's doing great work for us as well. That's not to be underestimated, certainly. And so when the, when the MQL, so I'm going to assume MQLs come in, marketing leads come in. Yep. This is just a random question for my own edification. Do you guys randomly assign them to the team members or are they vetted for what may be a better fit based on, I don't know, previous experience or that behavior set that you guys identified? No, no. They're randomly assigned. And our team is, is well-rounded in, in our training and our approach. You know, being in custom software, we're industry agnostic or technology agnostic. We have to be almost a jack of all trades in order to have an intelligent conversation with our prospects. And each of our salespeople are trained that way on purpose. Um, and then to your earlier point, the behavior mix is more just what our salespeople like to do. Some of our salespeople like to send out emails and cold call. Others like to do networking. And that's, I'll leave that more up to them, right? Because their quota is theirs. And it's up to them how they build their behavior mix. And then I just kind of support the team to augment leads or the pipeline where we need to. Okay, excellent. So if there were three things, just three things that you, other sales execs listening to this or, or CEOs listening to this from a sales perspective that you would really want to drive home with them, what would those top three takeaways be? So first one, I'm totally stealing this from Jocko Wilnick. The guy's amazing, but he has, <laughs> he has a little phrase that says discipline is freedom. And, you know, for any salesperson, the worst feeling in the world is leaving at the end of the day, feeling like you have unfinished business. So just do it. Just do the behavior. It doesn't matter what you feel about it. Just do it. And that discipline will give you freedom in so many areas. Confidence. It'll build up your pipeline. You don't have to stress about leaving work undone, right? So that's number one. Just stay focused and disciplined. Number two is get some training, get good at getting to the truth of the matter. I mean, most people don't really like talking to salespeople, let's be honest, um, <laughs> because they're afraid of getting sold, right? But if you can find a way to create a personal presence or to drive a conversation in a way that makes the other person feel comfortable being honest with you, it'll save you a lot of time. And that's time that you can dedicate to different behaviors um, or just time to sharpen the saw, right? And then I would say the third thing is, is kind of my personal ethos that I follow is, look, nine out of 10 people that you talk to aren't going to be a customer of yours, but leave them in a better place than when you found them. You know, as salespeople, especially we have the power to improve someone's day, leave it the same or make it worse. And it's a privilege to be able to come into contact with someone and leave them in a better spot than when you found them. 
I could not agree more. I mean, we have, if we're, especially in B2B complex enterprise sales, right? We have access to data. We're doing research. We're staying on top of things just from an industry standpoint or a professionalism standpoint. I think that's great. And then from a personal standpoint, right? We've all met those sales reps. They're probably the ones actually that created the cliche that the rest of us have been fighting yeah. <laughs> for our entire careers. But don't be that guy, right? Just be a genuine, caring, empathetic, accessible human being, provide value with every interaction. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, one powerful thing I've learned with working with my sales team and, and some of the other folks in my network is when you do goal setting, it's amazing to me how all of us want such different things, right? Some of us want, you know, the modern loft in the city with a Tesla. Others of us want the log cabin in the woods with a a truck or something like that, right? And so there is enough to go around. We live in a, a world of abundance. And so you can help other people get what they want and kind of Emerson's law of compensation. You get back what you put out. And so if you leave people in a better place, good things will come to you. Yes. Agree wholeheartedly. Nicely put. Nicely put. All right. So let's switch direction just a little bit and let's talk about equal pay. And for the audience, just so you guys are aware, my business partner introduced Amanda and I, and as I was talking to my business partner uh, before we jumped on the podcast, she said, Hey, you really need to talk to Amanda about how she's tackled equal pay. It's obviously a hot topic, but it sounds like there's a real practical, real world example of you know not only why, but how you did it and what kind of impacts it's had at Appet. So I it's going to be a little bit more free flowing here, guys. We're, we're going off script, but I would love to hear Amanda kind of why you're passionate about it and, and how you've worked to tackle it. Yeah. Yeah. So I think on this whole abundance concept, right, I have this core belief that if people have enough, if they have enough time, if they have enough money and if they have enough education, they will do incredible work for you. Like you don't have to motivate your your employees <laughs> to do good work. Like people are just bent towards excellence. And um, usually when I see somebody underperforming, it's because there's a gap somewhere. They're not getting paid enough. And maybe they're stressed about making their mortgage payment, or maybe they just don't have enough time because they're overwhelmed at work and they don't have the support at home that they need or something like that. And so for me, removing variables to get to employee engagement is critical for the health of our business. And so one of the things that was really important to me is making sure that people were paid enough. And especially in technology, there's been a lot about the gender pay gap in technology, and it's ridiculous. It doesn't doesn't make any sense. And so what we did is at Appet, our office manager, Lucy Strumbus, she's She's a real person who runs Abbott, let's be honest. She, uh, <laughs> she, um, she did a research project for us, and she gathered data on all of the salaries in the Denver area for each position. And we created tiers based on levels of experience, right? So you'd have your junior, your mid, and your senior level. And so then we created a, let's just call it, it's a spreadsheet, but it's a, it's a budgeting sheet that I use. And so we determined by each position and by year how much each person should make. And so from that, we set annual raise percentages based on, you know, that progression 
for the position. And so what we did is we went back and we gave every employee a paid change based on where they were at. They were, it was all an increase, which, which is good. And then now I budget each year when I'm setting our annual budget, I plan for our annual raises for our employees. So that really helped me. Uh, it took a ton of pressure off of me when we're budgeting for new employees. But also in our recruiting process, our very first call that we have with potential employees, I say up front, based on your experience and your position, this is what we've budgeted for the role for you. Is that in alignment with what you'd expect? And right. it's Get the it right first away. thing I say. Yep. And that transparency, I think, really reduces a ton of pressure for our prospective employees. And so we really get to know who they are and validate fit on skill set, not on pay. And that's been something for us that's been a game changer. Total transparency. People feel comfortable that they're getting paid what they're worth. They don't have to go out and start looking for other jobs just to get a raise. And that's been really nice for us. It's also saved us a ton of money on recruiting fees. I mean, balancing giving people what they deserve to be paid against paying recruiting and hiring fees. It was a no brainer for us to take that path. And I'm really proud of that. <laughs> that's excellent. And it's gotta be refreshing for people that are interviewing. Cause that's always, you know, you go through the interview process, even in sales. And when I was in marketing, same thing, you go through the interview process and then you get to the end and it's like, okay, now let's talk about, you know, compensation. And there could be this wild mismatch, which starts to create friction, right? Between the employee and the company yes. relationship. And so you get rid of that right up front. I would assume that transparency and that type of scaled pay approach decreases your turnover and increases the loyalty that the individuals have to the organization. Absolutely. And it kind of removes just the confusion, right? So I always have said hiring and interviewing is um, it's like that movie Inception, right? The dream within a dream <laughs> and how weird it was. Well, I mean, hiring is a sale within a sale. Like, all the smoke and mirrors that go into it. I don't, I'm there to get the truth of who you are. Like, let's take the money out of it. If you're not a fit, you're not a fit. That's okay. Who do you know? Right? Right. And I ask for a referral just like a salesperson would. And it's been a game changer for our team. I mean, our team is a group of some of the most incredible professionals I've ever worked with. And that's how I'm getting top talent and keeping them. Yeah, it's a it's a great approach. It speaks volumes to not only your leadership, but also the culture for the company and the types of talent that you can attract and retain. So bravo, well done. I can understand why Tanya was like, hey, you need to ask her about this. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for going off script. For anybody that's been on the show knows I, I provide questions in advance, but sometimes we go far afield. And this was, this was great. So, all right, end of each interview, I asked two standard questions of our guests. And the first is simply, as a CEO, that makes you... A a, in you know PC terms prospect for the rest of us maybe a target and so I'm curious when somebody doesn't have a referral into you when you don't have a relationship and there's not a connection but they want to capture your attention what works the best to capture that attention and get you to give them 15 minutes you know, establish their credibility so that you'll actually invest some time with them so I'm gonna say I'm a really tough nut to crack um, <laughs> which 
it breaks my heart a little bit because I'm a salesperson by nature, right? And I love, I love the craft, I love the trade, and I have a lot of respect for for those folks that are out pounding the pavement. But two things today are working against salespeople that try to connect with me. First of all, I make very fast decisions. When I need to make a decision, you're either there or you're not. And so it's very rare that someone's going to catch me on the offhand and get me to listen. I need to have a relationship with you. So I would probably be the prospect that is a longer sales cycle. But when I need you, I call you and then I'm going to buy right away. That's kind of my buying style. And the second thing, and I would say this holds true for most executives, is my calendar is out of control, right? (laughs) And so if you think of like, think of the typical profile of a VP and above, right? So these people are kind of mid to late 30s, early 40s into their 50s, right? These people probably don't live in the city because they have a family. So they live in the burbs, right? And think about a typical day. They're up at 530. It's chaos from the minute the alarm goes off, right? You got to get up, turn on the coffee pot, walk the dog, get the kids up, get them in the shower, pack the lunch for the kids, pack the lunch for the husband, get them all out of the house somehow. And then you have to get ready for work, get in the shower, battle rush hour traffic, which is 45 minutes to an hour. Cause remember you live in the burbs. <laughs> then you hustle in, you got to use the bathroom meetings start from 8am and it goes straight till five. And you, you really have a rare break in the day. And then you get home and everybody's home from school or work. They're cranky. They're hungry. You make the dinner. You have your family conversation around the table, get everybody ready for bed. And then all of a sudden it's like 930. (laughs) (laughs) And so I spend a lot of time thinking about this because if people just email me out of the blue, it's like, no, man, I don't have 15 minutes to talk. And it's tough because I don't even really know at that given moment what my issues are because I've probably already made a decision to fix that. And so really the only way you're going to catch me is at a networking event or I do check LinkedIn messages, but it has to be very much like, Amanda, I I know that you're struggling with this, and but I just don't know how they would find that out. Maybe reading what I've posted on LinkedIn or asking some other folks in my network. I mean, they'd have to really be dialed into my network to get a referral or meet me at a networking event. That's really the only place I think you're going to catch me. So it's really about or, knowing who you are and how you buy, right? So and, and anybody now yeah. the podcast will know that. But it's that also it's also that it's catchy where you where you're in a space to make those types of connections. And in that day you described, which sounds very familiar, there isn't a lot of time. And so when you already have it in your schedule to do a networking event, you're at that event, you're present, you're focused on meeting other people and making those connections. That for you is the best way. To, to make that initial connection. Is that a fair summary? Absolutely. Or maybe just build a relationship with me. Like I'll tell you, but <laughs> I'll tell you what I'm dealing with. I'll tell you what's going on, but it takes time. Yeah. Um, well, and that's, we, you know what? We see a lot of reps who, who think just because somebody picked up the phone that they're going to make a sale. It goes back to that happy years thing that we were talking about. It's like, look, the, the goal of prospecting is information. If the timing is not now, then come back when it is and you know, massage or work that relationship, build that relationship in between the time that's not based around selling. Back to your point of making them better than when you left, right? The the day, mm-hmm, absolutely. Mm-hmm. 
It's a human game. All right. So last question, we call it our acceleration insight. And I think I know what this may be or in the, where it may come from. But if there's one thing you could tell a sales, marketing, professional services person, one piece of advice, if they listened, caveat there, that would help them beat their targets, what would it be and why? I would say set a goal that's higher than your target build a plan to get there and execute on it and execute on it regularly. Stay focused and always stretch higher than you think you can. Yeah. Cause you can hit a finish line. Look, I'm waiting for them to, I'm waiting for the, the universe to make a marathon 30 miles and then see that people can run 30, you know, you run to the finish line. Right. Excellent. Excellent. All right. Perfect, Amanda. If a listener is interested in talking more about the topics we touched on today, I was going to say, what's the best way to get in contact with you? But is there a networking event coming up that you would like to promote? <laughs> uh, so people might know. Um, where you, you know, actually reach out to me on LinkedIn, reference the podcast, and I will respond to you. But Denver Startup Week is next week. I'm going to the breakfast. I am the founder of Denver Women in Tech. So if you're a lady, you can come find me there. I'm there every month. But yeah, send me a note on LinkedIn, reference the podcast and let me know how I can help you. Just a specific note. What do you guys need? And I'll be all over it. Excellent. I also, while we're talking about that, I want to put a plug out there and this may sound odd coming from me. I want to put a plug out there for Denver women in tech. Now, obviously I'm not part of the group. However, I have met a lot of amazing individuals that are associated with this group. So if you are a female and you are listening and you are in the Denver area, highly recommend you check it out because the caliber of the individuals that I've had the pleasure of working with or talking to is outstanding. So it's definitely something you want to take a look at. So man, thank you again for taking the time to be on the show. It has been an absolute pleasure. Great. Thanks so much, Chad. My pleasure as well. All right, everyone that does it for this episode, please check us out at b2brevexec.com. You know the drill, write us a review, share with friends, family, coworkers. If you like what you hear, keep giving us feedback. We'll keep bringing quality content. And until next time, we have Value Prime Solutions. Wish you all nothing but the greatest success. You've been listening to the B2B Revenue Executive Experience. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show on iTunes or your favorite podcast player. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.